Gillette's Best Blades can save you up to 50% versus the other Shave Club's $9 per month plan. That's right, close, comfortable, smooth, and up to 50% off versus the other Shave Club. Join today at GilletteShaveClub.ca. Shots in this second OT, 6-4 in favor of the Marlins. Foreign trying to add uh, the express total. It's in! Wow! That's a goal! A delayed goal, and Reese Foreign has done it again! And for the first time in 12 years, the York Simcoe Express are OHL Cup champions. What a weird finish to this one. Wow. Welcome to Junior. Sportsnet CHL Podcast with your host, Jeff Merrick. Welcome once again to Junior, your weekly CHL podcast. I'm Jeff Merrick, alongside producer Sam McKee. We have an action-packed playoff preview show for you. Joey Kenward will be here breaking down the Western Hockey League. We will talk to Jonathan Briggins, who writes at Sportsnet.ca, covering off the QMJHL. Nate Sager, our good friend from Sportsnet.ca as well, breaking down all the action in the Ontario Hockey League. In the meantime, We'll kick off the program as we do each and every week with our lead analyst on Sportsnet. Kick off each and every podcast with our good friend Sam Cosentino, lead analyst for the CHL on Sportsnet. And should we point out as well the OHL Cup, Sam, on Sportsnet as well. Great job with RJ yesterday. Uh, the York Simcoe Express defeating the Toronto Marlboros in double overtime. Reese Foran with the double OT winner. YSC take down the Marlboros who are looking for the third in a row uh, by a final score of 2-1. to one. What did you make of yesterday's game? Well, you know what? I think I think it's good for for minor hockey in the area. I mean, so often everyone gets focused on the GTHL and what happens in the GTHL. So, I think it's good in in the grand scheme of things for minor hockey in Ontario because you have an OMHA team that can come in and 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 win the title, and it makes it okay for players to stay in Barrie and Hamilton and in York Simcoe as opposed to maybe relocating or moving or having so badly to find that GTHL team that will take them. So in the grand scheme of things, I think it's uh, wonderful for minor hockey uh, in Ontario. Uh, and it's also kind of a cool thing because the Marlies are there all the time. They're expected to win, um, and those expectations make it sometimes difficult on the kids. But by the same token, it's nice to see someone else win for a change. Yeah. Yeah, Marlies are a juggernaut. I mean, they've been there the last 10 seasons. I mean, that's stunning. They've been in the final 10 seasons in a row, Sam. Yeah, it's amazing. And, they, you know, they do such a good job drawing the top players. You know, they have coaching staffs that are um, usually uh, uh, put kids on the, on the right path to go and play in the Ontario Hockey League or get the most out of their skill set. So it does make sense that, uh, you know, it's a coveted team for – for anyone to play on, and it's no different this year, and they just happened to come out on the losing end this time around. All right, uh, to the CHL playoffs. Uh, we'll let you throw the first start here, Sam. Whether it's in the Q, whether it's in the O, whether it's in the dub, which playoff series holds the most interest for Sam Cosentino? Well, I, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to wide brush here, and I'm going to go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not all that interested in what happens in round one. But I yep. will, I'll be really excited once we get into round two. I don't feel that there's going to be any major upsets through the first five teams uh, in, in round one of the QMJHL playoffs with that 1-16 to 16 format. Uh, but I do see 
uh, once we get to round two, then unfortunately a couple of good teams are going to have to go home. You know, every year provides its its storylines, and it's going to be no different in the queue. You'll probably get one upset uh, in round one, but for the most part, things should hold true to form, and things will start to get interesting in Quebec uh, once we get into round number two. Ramouski and Charlottetown, is that made, would you consider it an upset of Charlottetown one? You know what? Not really. It to be, and that's one of those series where it, it wouldn't surprise me if either team won. I, I think Serge Beausoleil does a really good job in Ramuski getting the most out of his guys, but they're still a pretty young group, and they've rebounded from last year going all the way to the championship uh, and winning the championship. So the expectations are probably a little bit less this year than, than what they may have been, but I still think the future is very bright there. And for Charlottetown, you know, getting Sprong back as late as they did was kind of a mirage. And so that's a franchise that really needs to take advantage of, of the opportunity of having him because there's no chance they'll have him back next year. So I think it is a more important series uh, for Charlottetown than it is for Ramuski, but that's one of those series where I think it's going to be difficult to pick a winner. Um, picking winners is going to be tough out west for a couple of the series as well, and, and maybe for the MasterCard Memorial Cup hosts as well. The Red Deer Rebels, without Connor Bleakley, he's gone for the season. They face off against the Calgary Hitmen, and take your pick. You know, Travis Sanheim and, and Jake Bean go right down the list. It's a Calgary Hitmen team that we probably haven't talked enough about this season but may just give the uh, the Red Deer Rebels some fits here. Well, and and I agree with you. And again, I'll bring it back. I'll bring the focus back out a little bit. I mean, imagine trying to get through the Eastern Conference coming out of the Central Division, and you'll use Red Deer as the example. Yes, they'll play Calgary. Yes, they'll be the home team in that series. Uh, I believe is that my I, I think I'm right there with Red Deer being the home team there. Um, okay, so now you if you do get through Calgary, which is going to be a tough task as it is, as you mentioned you're likely going to have to play Lethbridge in round two. So imagine having to go up that team. Let's, yeah. And just say, okay, it works out that way, and they get through Lethbridge. What's likely going to happen in round three is that they'll have to play Brandon. I mean, that is a difficult role to take through the front door. That's going to be a real challenge for Brent Sutter and his hockey club. And obviously it starts with round one. I, the one thing that does worry me is that there's just going to be an immense amount of pressure on Red Deer to win just starting from series number one. And that pressure can sometimes work against you, and I'm really, really concerned about that. It's not that I don't think Red Deer has the team. I think they're very capable. Even without Bleakley in the lineup, it's a loss that I think they'll be able to absorb as much as he does bring to the table. Uh, But I do think, Jeff, that that road to go through the front door for Red Deer is going to be really, really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the class of the Western League for you? If I can isolate a few teams here, we've talked a lot about the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, the Victoria Royals is a juggernaut. We've had them on plenty on the CHL on Sportsnet. Uh, the Brandon Wheat Kings have really hit their stride. Would those be the top three teams for you, Sam Cosentino, as you look at this year's playoffs and who's going to win the Edge and Elf Cup? I'd have to think so. I, I think I have to put Brandier, uh, Brandon at the top of the at the top of the list, Jeff. I, those are expectations that after they lost and were swept out last year by Kelowna, that immediately the expectations for this year were placed upon them, and rightfully so. So I, I think the expectations going back to last year. I think they're they're the class of this thing, just going in the way they have played here, uh, you know, the last month and a half. Uh, but then you go out west, and Seattle's a team that just doesn't get a lot of the hype that it probably deserves up here. 
But I've been saying for a couple of years, Jeff, that the 97 core group that they have is a really, really good group. I haven't looked down the roster to see where they're at health-wise, but if they do have everyone and they start to fire, uh, you know, with their size, they'll probably get some good crowds uh, in Seattle yeah. for the home games. They're going to be a team that's really difficult to beat. And then you look at Victoria, I mean, you know, Dave Lowry's tried to sell us all year that it's an overachieving team, uh, yet they've been number one in the league for most of the year. So <laughs> I think you have to remove that overachiever tag and think that yeah. they play as about a, about a good a team game as maybe anyone in the Canadian Hockey League. So how can you count Victoria out of this thing? Kelowna has experience on its side. They got back to 100 points again this year. I mean, it's, it's tough sledding uh, out there in the West, but I think the number of Top end teams in the West is fewer than the number of top eight, uh, top tier teams in the East this year. Mm-hmm. When we uh, shift our focus from the Western Hockey League, Sam, to the Ontario Hockey League, uh, the Midwest is front and center. I mean, that is the the class of the OHL, whether it's the Erie Otters or the Kitchener Rangers or the London Knights. Uh, Erie faces off against Saginaw. London faces off against Owen Sound. But maybe the most interesting first-round matchup for any of those juggernaut Midwest teams, the Kitchener Rangers taking on the Windsor Spitfires. We expect Windsor to peak next season. They'll probably host a MasterCard Memorial Cup as well. What do you look for? We've got the game on Thursday. Kitchener Rangers, Windsor Spitfires. Well, uh, this is an, a wonderful opportunity for Windsor. You know, they they battled middle of February. They were in position where they were leading the West Division. That would have given them the number two seed and would have given them uh, Sault Ste. Marie as opposed to Sarnia in that series. And so there was some disappointment in, in finishing fifth. Uh, having said that, they might have won the luck of the draw here, Jeff, because Kitchener's playing without Frank Cora. Uh, I, I think Sergeyev's out of lineup. Brosnan's out of line. That's three of their top defenders. And Garifa on the back end, uh, Elijah Roberts on the back end are going to have to eat the minutes that were spread out by those three guys. That's really difficult for two first-year guys in the league. So I think it's a situation that Windsor can really take advantage of. Um, having said that, you know, Luca Pilka hasn't been great here down the stretch for Kitchener, so that's going to uh, be troublesome. Um, what's going to happen in goal with Windsor? Is it going to be Kalina? Is it going to be Di Pietro? How are the draft-eligible guys going to respond? They all look to me, um, you know, the three top-end guys, like they're high-end competitors. And for me, knowing that this is an opportunity to be the higher-seeded team, extend your season and get more looks from scouts, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't exactly call it an upset if Windsor wins based just simply on injuries that the Kitchener has. Now, if Kitchener had all its guys healthy, then I would deem Windsor winning this series an upset. But as it currently stands, I don't see it uh, as an upset. And then again, hey, it's a 4-5 series, so obviously the teams are bunched together and they're pretty close for a reason. So it, it should be a fascinating series. It's difficult now for the situation that Kitchener finds itself in with the, with the injuries, and it's a golden opportunity for the draft eligibles to step up, extend their season uh, in Windsor. And what do you look for in the East? I mean, the Kingston Frontenacs, I mean, the, the, the class of the Eastern Conference, uh, the Barry Colts right there, they can score in bunches. Their story's been well told. The Niagara Ice Dogs, we talk about every week, Sam, they should be there, but uh, it's a bizarre team. And the Ottawa 67s even have played some some good hockey down the stretch. Dan Butler's North Bay Battalion, that's always a tough team to face off in the playoffs. Who do you who do you like in the East? Oh, I think it's it's going to come down to Kitchener and Barry. I, I really do. North Bay's always going to have a say in things, just because yeah. their team, the way they play, their style of game is really suited to playoff hockey, especially with their size and 
their ability to skate, and they've got Amadio's on, on fire right now. Um, and so they may have something to say about it. But I am hard-pressed not to see Kingston play for an Eastern Conference title here. Uh, I just look at their club from top to bottom, uh, whether it's Helvig or Parasini in goal. You know, they have uh, the opportunity to switch out to either guy and still have some success in, in that regard. Uh, their defense is maybe as good as, as any in the league. You know, if Billetier, uh, getting back in the lineup a month and a half ago has really helped to solidify things. Uh, Duchesne is an uh, undervalued guy. Uh, Roland McCune has turned his game around to become more maybe of a defensive defenseman than than what anyone expected. You got DeRoche with MasterCard Memorial Cup experience, so they're really good on the back. And up front, I mean, if those two top lines are going and they get that secondary scoring, I, I have a hard time seeing uh, them not play for an Eastern Conference title. Uh, and then you look at Barry. Barry can fill the net. They need Mackenzie Blackwood to play well because uh, they are a little risk-taking in their ventures, if you will. Uh, but with their ability to score goals, uh, I think Barry is, is also suited to, to get into the Eastern Conference Final, likely against uh, against Kingston. I, I, that's how I see it playing out there. But uh, wouldn't surprise me if North Bay was back there once again. I don't think it would shock anyone. Uh, we started by talking about the Q, Sam. We'll finish up talking about the Q. We talk about the heavyweights, you know, the Huskies and the Cataracts. We talk about plenty, and uh, we've talked plenty about Gatineau. Um, but do you think we should be giving some love to St. John here? Is there one, I don't want to call St. John an underdog as much as I want to call them a dark horse. Would St. John be the, the, could you make the best case for St. John being the biggest dark horse in the Q? Yeah, I think that's a that's a real good uh a real good statement there, Jeff. I, I just look at St. John, you know, their back end, Luke Grin and Shabbat uh, locking things down in the back, and they seem to have firepower that's more balanced up front. Uh, but, man, that Joseph, I, I just love him. Joe Valeno uh, has turned into a wonderful player here as uh, and is an exceptional status guy. Uh, there are so many things to like about uh, Danny Flynn and his experience. So I, I think... To say that they're an underdog, you're right. That's probably a bit much. Hey, they win their their division yeah. in the Maritimes, uh, but they've played really well here. Same thing as Brandon the last month, month and a half, and I think they're starting to fulfill the expectations that many people, including myself, put on them at the start of the season. So I think St. John is in the you know is in a position here to do some damage uh, uh, as the team least talked about, maybe in that top five uh, of the Q playoffs. The best time of the season is about to begin. Sam, we'll, uh, we'll watch for you on Thursday with RJ as uh, the Kitchen Rangers face off against the Windsor Spitfires. Thanks, Sammy. All right, Jeff. Great to be on again. As we head west, please be joined by WHL broadcaster and good friend here of the podcast, Joey Kenward. How are you today, Joey? I'm well, Jeff. How are you? Uh, good. As we tape this, there is still a tiebreaker to determine the eighth spot uh, who will face off against the Brandon Wheat Kings. Not sure whether it's going to be Medicine Hat, not sure whether it's going to be the Edmonton Oil Kings. But if we can start with the Brandon Wheat Kings, it seemed as if, uh, I want to say late January, early February, this team really turned a page and became the Brandon Wheat Kings we thought that they would be at the beginning of the season, i.e. the team that would go wire to wire as a top team in the CHL. As you look at the Western Hockey League right now, are they the team to beat? On paper, I'd say yes. But once you play the games and you know anything can happen in junior hockey, uh, it could be some real, real long roads to hoe for Kelly McCrimmon's crew. The big thing that Brandon's got going for them right now is they seem to have all hands on deck pulling that rope in the same direction. They were 
without question, the hottest team in the WHL's Eastern Conference going into the playoffs after a second straight Eastern title. 48 wins. That's the second highest of any team in the Western Hockey League. And they also had the second best road record in the WHL. But Jeff, they hadn't lost a game in regulation in their final 13 going into the postseason. Mm -hmm. They're very deep. Up and down their lineup, they're getting spread out scoring from their forwards. They're getting big offensive production and solid defensive play in their own end of the rink. And they've got a pretty established good number one goaltender between the pipes. No matter whether it's Medicine Hat or Edmonton that wins the tiebreaker, they're going to have their hands full with the Wheaties. Meanwhile, the Regina Pats find themselves in the playoffs in back-to-back years, so good things happening right now with the Pats. They face off against Lethbridge, and in a lot of ways, Joey, the story of Lethbridge has been health more than anything else. These guys haven't been dinged up and have found themselves you know, flirting with the top 10 week in, week out in the CHL. What do you look for in, in Lethbridge and Regina? Well, these are two teams that seem to be destined for a series that could go a lot longer than some people think. You know, you've got Lethbridge, and you talked about the, the health factor. That was a big reason why they were able to have such a huge turnaround from worst to first. They were the top team in the Central Division. They had the best home ice record in the Eastern Conference, and they had the best power play totals overall in the WHL. But what this team doesn't have is playoff experience. You know, they haven't been in the WHL postseason, Jeff, since 2009. But they've got a ton of firepower up front, led by the league's leading assist man in Braden Burke. Uh, Tyler Wong was 10th overall in scoring, and he was the fourth-highest goal scorer in the league. And they're going to be, I think, put up by a pretty good Regina Pats team, who, as you mentioned, in their second straight playoff year, played in a lot of one-goal games, half of their games this year, uh, victories that were, were in one-goal fashion. So they're a hockey team. And when, you never want to count out a team that has the WHL's leading score in it, and it came from Regina this year in overager Adam Brooks, who put up a whopping 120 points. They've also got a pretty good other sniper that they added in at the trade deadline and veteran Cole Sanford. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Lethbridge, a team that seemed to be clicking the right way all year, how they handle a playoff team like Regina, who made it to the second round last year. And Sam Steele has been heating up as well, going back to February, uh, where he's been a point-of-game guy. So curious to see what happens there. Prince Albert faces off against the Moose Jaw Warriors. You mentioned not counting a team out that has a top scorer in the Western Hockey League. How about a team that has Dryden Hunt and Braden points on it? Boy, this could be Moose Jaw's year to really turn some heads if they haven't done so already. Now, this is the first time, like Lethbridge, that a club is going into the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Moose Jaw hasn't been in the postseason since 2012 when they made it all the way to the East Final, eventually losing to the League and Memorial Cup winner that year, the Edmonton Oil Kings. And by the way, back then, Braden Point, one of the purest scorers and best all-around players in the WHL, played in the playoffs that year as a 15-year-old. But Dryden Hunt, who led the league in goals this year with 58, scored almost 24% of Moose Jaw's total goals this year. And I think if Braden Point had been healthy and played wire-to-wire this year, he probably would have had more goals than his teammate. In just 48 games, Point had 35 goals and 53 assists. 
So this is a team that's yeah. built on those two offensive juggernauts to go head-to-head. But don't count out the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, they had the second-best home ice record in the Eastern Conference this year behind Brandon. And although they didn't necessarily have a great goal differential, they spread out their scoring, and they had pretty, pretty good offensive performances from their top players like Reed Gardner and Simon Stransky. This is not going to be a quick series at all. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe it's the one of two, if not three, series league-wide that's decided in the seventh and, and final game. Gotta love a good Sasky series. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, the Red Deer Rebels facing off against the Calgary Hitmen. And bad news coming earlier this week where Connor Bleakley confirmed due to wrist surgery, he is gone for the entire season. Unsigned by Colorado, traded, probably be unsigned, go back into the draft. But for, uh, for the purposes of this conversation, what are you looking for between the team that will host the MasterCard Memorial Cup and the Calgary Hitmen? Well, on paper, one of these teams that is definitely an Eastern Conference and WHL championship contender will be on the outside looking in after the first round is done. This might be the best matchup on paper out of any yeah. first-round playoff series, not just in the WHL, Jeff, Canadian Hockey League-wide. These are two teams that were pretty much even Steven throughout the course of the year. Calgary won four of the seven meetings, but the Hitmen lost the final three of those, or three of the final four. So they're a hockey team that uh, I don't think you can count them out. They won seven of their last ten going into the postseason. They had the league's top power play goal scorer on their roster this year, and Jacob Stuckel, who had 17 in total. They had the highest scoring defenseman in the league, and probably the player that will be the highest NHL draft pick out of the WHL this summer in Jake Bean. Uh, They're a hockey team that I think is poised to knock off the Memorial Cup host. And that's something in the Western Hockey League that's only happened twice in the last 15 to 20 years. Saskatoon, the last Memorial Cup host, lost in round one of the WHL playoffs in 2012. But Red Deer is a team that will be very, very difficult for Calgary to handle. They went in on a real roll into the postseason, winning eight of their last ten. They've got definite firepower that they loaded up with in the trade deadline and Adam Haluka and Jake DeBrusque coming over from Spokane and Swift Current respectively. The one big question mark, you mentioned Connor Bleakley out indefinitely. They've also got a big question mark in net because Ryland Toth, who had been their number one goaltender, went down with injury in the final month. Trevor Martin came in and by all accounts has taken the ball and run with it very nicely with an 18 Eight one and one record, and has the best or the eighth best goals against average in the WHL. Uh, this is going to be painful for one of these two teams to lose in round one because if it was any other given year, they very well could be a team that that vies mm-hmm. for a, a chance to win the the Edge Chenault Cup. So you know, Red Deer is going to be at the Memorial Cup as hosts, but I think talking to Brent Sutter, he will do everything in his power to make sure that he's not going to let his team get there through the back door. It's not going to be easy taking on the hitmen. They want to go through the front, clearly. To the west, the Victoria Royals, who have been a juggernaut team all season long, uh, face off against the Spokane Chiefs. We'll hear a lot about Kyler Yamamoto come next season uh, for the NHL draft. They're in the playoffs. Expect Spokane to be a really good team next year. Is this the playoffs where they're just trying to get a little bit of playing time? Because I don't see too many teams derailing Victoria anytime soon. No, probably not. Although the one thing the Chiefs can say is that they played Victoria pretty well 
over the course of the regular season, mm-hmm. went 2-2 two and two against the top team in the Western Hockey League. But yeah, Spokane, which on paper is one of the youngest in major junior hockey, uh, they're going to have their hands full against the Victoria Royals, who claim their first ever Scotty Monroe Trophy as regular season champs with 50 wins and 106 points. And like Brandon, they went into the playoffs on a real tear. Not one regulation loss in their last 14 straight games. Everybody knows in junior hockey circles about Joe Hicketts, what kind of great defenseman he is in both ends of the ice. And having performed at the World Junior Championships, you know he's ready to to go out on a real high in the, the Western Hockey League. Alex Forsberg, their veteran, finished off the year with 91 points. That's a pretty good jump from what he had last year with 58 But Matthew Phillips, to me, is the one player out of anybody I'm really looking forward to watching in his first ever taste of major junior postseason action. Led all WHL rookies in goals with 37. All WHL first years in points with 76. He also led the league in rookies in game-winning goals in 10. He's one of the most dynamic players in the WHL. And we're talking about a rookie on a team that won the league championship. He's going to be fun to watch, as is their goaltender. And overager Coleman Volrath had a year to remember with the third-highest win totals and goals against average. This is going to be a tough, tough team for the Spokane Chiefs to upset in round one. And if it's not going to be Volrath, Griffin Outhouse, uh, the backup has been outstanding for uh, for Dave Lowry's squad Absolutely. as well. Seattle against, yeah, Seattle against Prince George is interesting. Seattle plays a big, strong, heavy game, but they're... They're not shy about trading chances. And the Prince George Cougars, who may be the toughest team uh, in the entire Western Hockey League, they like that big, strong, physical. They were kind of like Victoria was last year. Uh, they'll face off in a two versus seven. I see Seattle winning it. I may even see Seattle winning you know, the Edge and Out Cup. That's how highly I think of the Seattle Thunderbirds. But when you look at Seattle and PG, what goes through your mind? physical brand of hockey that whichever team gets through it is going to have a ton of ice packs throughout their locker room to heal some (laughs) of the bumps and bruises. Seattle had one of their best years in franchise history and entered the postseason winning 13 of their last 14. They had the best home ice record in the WHL with 29 wins. They had the number one penalty kill in the WHL. They've got one of the purest goal scorers in the league and New York Islanders first round draft pick Matthew Barzell who finished tied 11th in WHL scoring. Remember, he missed time playing away at the World Juniors. Their big trade deadline acquisition proved to be very important down the stretch to win the division title, and that's goaltender Landon Bow. The 20-year-old finished with 25 wins. He led the league in shutouts with seven, and he had the second-best save percentage in the league. Now, you know the Prince George Cougars, a team that's been on the rise over the past few years after going through an ownership and management change. They would love to be able to be an upset team here, but they are going to have their hands full with the Thunderbirds. They're always difficult to play at home, the Cougars are, but when you mention they were one of the most, in fact, the most penalized team in the WHL, they're going to have to do whatever they can to stay out of the box and, and stay at even strength hockey against the Thunderbirds. But they've got some guys that have put up big numbers this year and forwards, Chase Witala, Jesse Gabriel, and Winnipeg Jets draft pick Jansen Harkins. That's going to be a fun series to watch. I would think Seattle is the mm-hmm. favorite, but it's not going to be easy for them to, to get into round two. 
Kelowna against Kamloops is a fascinating one as well. And when you look at the absence of Nick Merkley, Arizona first-round draft pick last year, Jackson Whistle, uh, the netminder, a really young defense. I mean, as you know, Joy, this is, you know, there's a lot of 17-year-olds on this blue line. Do we smell upset here? Can we see the Blazers knocking off the Rockets? Well, the Rockets won five of the eight meetings, but the Blazers won the last three and did so in convincing fashion, I might add. And the one thing that Kamloops has going for them is that for the first time in, I think, five or six years, they actually beat the Rockets in their own building in Kelowna. Now, you mentioned the injury situation and key veteran players that aren't in the mix, being goalie Jackson Whistle and first-round NHL draft pick Nick Merkley, but Kelowna's still got a ton of talent, and they're so good at their own rank. They won 27 times at home this year, which was the second highest in the league. Tyson Bailey was on fire in the first half of the year, cooled off a little bit, but still pretty admirable to be a 95-point man in the WHL to, to wind down his career. Rourke Chartier, who didn't have a full healthy season to play for Kelowna, Still put up good numbers when he was there in 42 games. He had 25 goals and 21 helpers. And remember last year helping the Rockets to a league title and an appearance in the Memorial Cup, he put up 20 points in the postseason. There is a ton of pressure on their so-called backup goaltender, though, and Michael Herringer, who's had to come in and take the ball to run with it in Whistle's absence, had 26 victories, but a save percentage hovering around 90. And now that the Blazers have put some wins up against him, he's going to have to be really dialed in, especially on the road, if he wants to give his team a chance to win away from the Okanagan. On the other side of things, the most valuable player for the Blazers has been their number one goaltender. And arguably, if you're talking about a player who might be the most valuable to his team in the Western Hockey League, you could put up a good argument for Connor Ingram. The 19-year-old had the second yes. highest wins out of any WHL puck stopper this year, 34 of them in 64 games. He was excellent down the stretch to have the team get out of a wild card spot and into the third spot in the BC division. This is also a team that's balanced out their scoring. They've got some guys that can provide offense in the likes of Colin Shirley and Gage Quinney and Devin Sideroff. Quinney will be an interesting player to watch in this series, Jeff, because he was traded as part of that Leon Dreisaitl moved last year from Prince Albert to Kelowna, and he had a real good postseason last year for the Rockets, who had to figure out their overage situation, put him to Kamloops. I'm sure he'd be grinning ear to ear going into this series, taking on his oh, former yeah. team in the playoffs, and would love nothing more than to help Kamloops get a long-awaited postseason victory. And if they could do it against their arch-division rivals, that would make it more sweet. But I would think Kelowna, just based on their experience and their scoring, I'd probably give them the edge on paper going into the series. There will indeed. Always looking for the game within a game. Uh, the Everett Silvertips, the Portland Winterhawks, we got about 90 seconds. We'll conclude on this one. Are all eyes on Carter Hart's uh, netminder for the uh, the Everett Silvertips, number one in Western Hockey League wins, second in games played with 63? Assuming he starts the series, yes, absolutely, because their backup, Mario Petit, played the final few games, and Hart wasn't even on the bench as a backup. So that's something to watch for from a distance for Kevin Constantine's club. They don't score a lot of goals, but they've never been a team that's known as an offensive juggernaut. They had the lowest goals for total of any team that's made the WHL playoffs, but they allowed the second-fewest goals against of any team in the West. This is going to be tough sledding for Portland to try to continue on. They've been a good postseason team the past number of years, uh, but they didn't score a ton of goals this year. 
Uh, they do have some firepower. Dominic Turgeon, Ricard's Bukarts have been their leading gunners up front with 30 goals or more apiece. And it's going to be a goalie battle, not only if Hart's healthy, but Aiden Hill, who played more games than any other goaltender this year in the Western Hockey League with 65. This could be a goaltender's duel for two teams that don't provide a huge amount of offense. Uh, this could be one that mm-hmm. maybe goes a little bit longer than some people think. We shall stand by to find out. Joey, you are always gold. We thank you for your input uh, this week once again. And uh, enjoy the tiebreaker tonight. I know you'll be glued to it. And uh, we'll talk at you somewhere down the road. Sounds good. Always a treat to talk major junior hockey with you, Jeff. And uh, be sure to do it again as the spring rolls along. That's WHL analyst Joey Kenward. When we come back, we're going to get on the Q page and the OHL page. Stay tuned as our CHL playoff preview continues on Junior. They got to hurry. Here's Marner coming in. Back to the Morag. He scores. Awesome. Just awesome. Sitting in the bar. Old man Johnson. Welcome back to Junior, our uh, CHL playoff preview, being joined now by Jonathan Briggins, our good friend from Sportsnet.ca. Jonathan, the, the Q still has that old school one plays 16 two plays 15 so the first round generally as you well know isn't very eventful uh, but when it is shocking it's quite shocking because upsets should not happen having said that can you see any upsets in the first round Jonathan uh, looking at it again this year I think it's just going to be more of the same uh, yeah I, I was looking back at the past four years that the 15th or 16th seed team has only won a total of one game in, yeah. in all this series. So, and I mean, uh, Drummondville and Sh- Sherbrooke, they don't look like they, they can take on Shawinigan or Ruan Noranda this year. Yeah. What about Blainville Barbrian? Any shot against Valdor? That's another powerhouse team in the queue. Yeah. Um, I was looking at that one. There's a chance that it might not be a sweep. That's kind of how I would put it. Um, you know, they've got some decent goaltending, but I mean, they're a team that looks completely different from last year. Uh, they, they lost a couple hundred point overagers. Um, they, they've got some solid goaltending, but I mean, they're a team that they were upset by Gatineau last year. Um, and I, I don't really see how they could. Um, bounce back in the playoffs this year. Although with Valdor, they're without uh, Richard um, yes. for at least the, the beginning of the, the series. So, And Julian Gauthier has kind of cooled off after being so hot all season. So there are a few few little hiccups there for Valdor, but I, I think they should be able to pull through um, in the first round. You know, we've, we've talked a lot this year, and we've seen Gatineau plenty, uh, these Olympiques on uh, on the CHL on Sportsnet. And when you look at them, they're big, they're strong, uh, they're skilled. Uh, sure, the goaltenders are young. I get that. Uh, but they play a style that very much protects them. We've sort of made the point that this is a playoff-built team. This looks like a team that is built for the postseason. Uh, I know Ruan is outstanding. You know, Valdor has challenges. Still a great squad there. Shawinigan uh, is excellent. St. John could make some noise as well. But when you look at Gatineau, do you look at yourself and say, that may be the best playoff team in the queue, these, these playoffs? Yeah, I feel like looking at the schedule, they're the one team I would not want to face at all. And I mean, they were playing good defensively all season, but it, it was just over the 
the last few weeks of the season, they just really ramped it up and started scoring. And I don't know, they're, they're going to be hard to, to, you know, squeak any series wins against. Yeah, it'll be a challenge for the Quebec Ramparts in the opening round. A very uh, uh, young and retooling Quebec Ramparts uh, after their run last year hosting the MasterCard Memorial Cup. What about Cape Breton? They open up against Sukutami, and they'll be without the services of Pierre-Luc Dubois for a game for the uh, the Luke Green incident. Where are you at on uh, on the Screaming Eagles? Because the top six really does look spectacular there. Yeah, well, I think they, they should be... Um pretty competitive against Shakutami in the first round at least. Um, and I mean adding Jolie at the over the trading period, he really brought more uh, secondary scoring depth to that team. And I know they kind of broke up that top line of uh, Sachnikov, Lazarev and Dubois. Um, and but it seems like whoever they put in that top six that they, they can score um, so, you know, I, I think they're a team that kind of underachieved the first part of the season, and they they looked pretty good down the, the stretch, and they entered the playoffs mm. on a seven-game winning streak. So I, I think, you know, I think that's kind of been the trend in the entire Maritimes divisional. The top couple teams with St. John, Cape Breton, Charlottetown, they all were so slow out of the gate and underperforming, and I think all three of those teams – have the potential to to go deep in the playoffs this year. Any love for for Moncton through all of this? They open up against Victoriaville. Where are you at on the Wildcats? Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like I didn't give them any love coming into the season. I I thought losing Barbashev was going to be too big of a blow, um, and then you know Garland came out and put yeah. up a bajillion points again this season. Um, it's it's so hard to know if if it'll be a, the the team we saw at the beginning of the year or that cold team uh, that that dropped all the games in a row. Uh, I feel like whenever I count them out, they they do well, and when I think they're going to do okay, they do bad. So I just have no idea hmm. with them. It's uh, it's interesting when you look at the Wildcats. Indeed, when you uh, we'll end up on this one, Jonathan. When you look at the um, not just the opening round, but the playoffs in general in the QMJHL, where's the most pressure? Like, which team has the highest expectation? I feel like Shawinigan has to have the most pressure. I mean, they they made so many trades, bringing in Timoshov, Moynihan, Gagne, uh, Fitz, Fitzgerald, all those guys. Um, and, and then with the, the coach firing in, in yeah. February, while they were still in second place, I think that kind of sent the message, you know, you, you better win this thing. Um, so I, I think, and the, the other thing with Shawinigan, they, they were upset by the Mooseheads last year. Like that, that was a series where I thought I saw all the games and I thought Shawinigan were the better team. Uh, they just, what we're up against a red hot Ehlers and and Meyer, um, but I think that left a little bit of a sting last season. And and there's so many guys returning from that team. I think they'll be plenty motivated to to win it all this year. Yeah, they went all in as did uh, Rouen, Valdor, and uh, Gatineau made some big moves as well. When you think of uh, Nicholas Malosh mm-hmm. and the other trades uh, of that ilk, Jonathan, always a pleasure. We'll uh, we'll check in regular over the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Good talking to you, Jeff.
From the QMJHL with Jonathan Briggins, we turn our attention to the Ontario Hockey League with Nate Sager of Sportsnet.ca. Nate, when you look around, uh, the opening round in the queue, seldom, if ever, and the real answer is never, uh, brings with it upsets. Uh, the opening round of the OHL, does it hold any excitement for you this time around outside of maybe Kitchener or Windsor where we may see an upset? Yeah, I think I think there's always a little bit of ex- excitement there. Uh, I mean, the fact that Kingston might win a round for the first time since Seinfeld was still on the yeah. air has got to be exciting, right? <laughs> uh, and you got a North Bay Peterborough matchup that sh- that should be in- intense, uh, the, where the favored team is the is actually the much younger team. Uh, you know, obviously over in the West, uh, London playing Owen Sound. I mean, you know that's going to get get that's going to get pretty uh, you know snarly uh as, as well so there's certainly some, some good matchups but overall i mean yeah you can usually throw out the the two seven and one eight matchups uh they're yeah. they're just being you know the couple teams they're they're just there for the experience you know kind of like me when i went to job interviews <laughs> you know when when you look at the uh the playoffs and you focus on the ohl playoffs from last year uh last year we all said much like this year uh the west is the best uh but the team that came out of the west last year the Erie otters were so banged up from playing so much hockey and a big heavy series against the sault Ste. marie greyhounds in the western conference final um that the oshawa generals who in their defense were a powerhouse all year uh really picked them apart do you see something similar happening this year whether it's Erie or sarnia london kitchener take your pick one of those teams coming out are going to have some battle wounds on them and like that again, uh, especially if you get a, you know if you have to go six or seven back to back in the second and third rounds. And I know people say, well, you get day, you know, you're not always playing back to back days. You have time to series, but these are still young guys, and that durability, you know, that you have within the NHL isn't there. And as far as the teams go, I mean, like Erie, I mean, they're still once you get past Travis, Travis Dermott and uh, a couple of other defensemen, they're pretty young on the blue line. So if it's them, or if it's London, which is also a fairly youngish team. Uh, Coming out of the West, and they play Kingston, which is kind of just you know taking the Oshawa model and moved it you know two hours down the yep. 401 uh, <laughs> uh, with you know mm-hmm. Stephen DeRoche and then Chad Duchesne, Roland McEwen, all you know some some good Jacob Paquette. And, I mean they've got some size on defense, and they've got it up front with uh, Kraus and and Connor McGlynn as the third line center. Uh, Yuho Lamico. Uh, they I mean if, if Kingston gets through the Eastern Conference and they're the fresher team, we could see a bit of a, a reprise of, of that in May. But I mean, that's a lot of dominoes toppling in a certain way, and, and we're just yeah. sitting here, you know, speculating about it in, in the third week of March. Nate, do you think that the uh, that the Sarnia Sting get enough love? I mean, after the uh, I mean, after the big trade with the Ottawa 67s, it seemed as if you know this team really started to gel. Uh, and attached a rocket to their back and, and became a different team. Do you think it was the Konechny deal that put them over the top? And, and now we're at the point where, you know, we focus so much on London and Erie. Are we sleeping on Sarnia? A little bit. I mean, I know they hadn't beaten London in, in forever uh, until the yeah. last time they played. They ended up, I think, a 17-loss streak against the Knights. But their, they play, their point percentage was 7-2-7 after the Konechny trade. And obviously having... Sam Studnikis sort of come in and be the captain. I mean, I got to, you know, appreciate what he was all about when he was here with the 67s. This is a leader and the fact that, you know, the extra possession time a team gets from having him because he's so good on faceoffs. And, uh, certainly I just think Sarnia, they're a little bit off, sometimes a little bit off the radar screen there as far as West Division teams go. Uh, 
you know, they're sort of, you know, Windsor and London get a lot, you know, get a lot of notice in the league. They're, they're bigger markets than Sarnia and sometimes the Sting just go a little bit, you know, under the radar for those reasons. But also Travis Connecting, you know, obviously eager to see what he can do. This will be the first time he's had a playoffs where he's healthy. And, and last year, I mean, he basically played with a separated shoulder and had 10 points in five games for Ottawa before he damaged it too much to keep, keep playing. Konechny's been outstanding uh, in junior. It's really been a wonderful career. How close do you think Konechny is to the NHL? Philadelphia Flyers fans are eagerly awaiting your response, Nate. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he's, he's, he's closer to being there than the Sixers or Phillies are to ever, ever having a winning record. <laughs> let's put it that way. Boss. Here, I mean, in terms of being capable, it's just a matter of you know, what the fit is for the team and the, and the roster, but I mean, he was very close to playing games this year. I think you at least see him him get, him get some games in in the fall mm-hmm. if that's if that's in in the interest of the Flyers. The Niagara Ice Dogs. Uh, when you look at them on paper, and you look at the amount of uh, drafted players uh, that they have, and what they've been able to do when they do pull everything together, I mean, Marty Williamson's squad there has all the potential to do real damage. They face off against the Ottawa 67s. As you all know, have played some good hockey down the stretch. Uh, youngest team, rebuilding team after the Konechny deal. Uh, where are you at on the Niagara Ice Dogs in this year's playoffs? Because, you know, listen, maybe the answer is we don't know what to expect, but on paper it looks fantastic. Where are you at with Marty Williamson's team these days? Well, I, I think I, I was kind of on the, you know, the in negative town with them for a while, just because it was like, when are you guys going to put this together? You know, why haven't you put this together? And so on and so forth. I know it's the last few times they played Kingston, and that's a potential second round opponent for them if, you know, all the chalk picks sort of break in the first round. Uh, you know, they played them tough, and I, they seem to get up for the, they're that type of team that the tougher the opponent, the more they, the better they play. Uh, and maybe that's not such a bad thing for them to play Ottawa first, because you know Jeff Brown will have the 67s ready for that. They don't, you know, on paper they don't match up that well with Niagara. They're they're a bit of a younger bunch, and they sort of have to overplay, uh, you know, the the top four defensemen, particularly Jacob Middleton, quite quite a bit to you know keep up with teams, and that tends to catch up uh, in the playoffs. But uh, you know, I th- I still I you know I would you could almost slide them into as the second favorite in in the East the East with Kingston Cordes. You know, if you're thinking of in terms of like you know betting futures, you'd have Kingston with some type of odds you'd get mm-hmm. on the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA as far as the Eastern Conference <laughs> goes. But uh, I mean, it it there's I mean Niagara might be the most playoff built uh, uh, team, but and maybe that's just you know they can, they need a couple shots across you know across the bow to uh, sort of get them playing to their potential. Almost as if they need a good scare, not unlike what Brandon got last year in the Western League in their opening matchup against the uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, we'll finish up on this one, Nate. Uh, do you see a dark horse anywhere? We talk about Kingston. I mean, the Barry Colts have a shot at it. The teams in the Midwest, the Sarniest thing. Do you see any potential dark horses coming out? Anyone jumping out at you? Uh, as far as the Western Conference goes, I know we haven't really mentioned Kitchener, and I know that they're sort of the luster kind of sort of came off the Rangers a little because they had so many injuries down the stretch. But certainly a, an interesting, interesting team. I feel they draw into that four or five series, and that's going to be be a tough one just to get by that. But uh, certainly a you know a good defensive team team when they're healthy. And uh, you know I kind I, I kind of like what Derek, Dale Howardchuk always does with the Barry Coles. Obviously, you know you have Kevin LeBanc, Andrew Monty, yeah. Aparni. There's always some uh, some potential potential there to make a run and 
runs. I mean, there's a lot of good potential matchups on. It's just like sort of looking at the NCAA tournament. It's just, you know, if this team plays this team and, you know, they, this is their style mm. or mesh up like this, it could be really good. And the one thing I love about Barry Nate is Dale Howarchuk's not afraid to play a wide open chance for chance game. That's what makes it Barry Colts. Like they're one of my favorite stops on the OHL action pack because every now and then Dale just says, you know what? Just go play hockey, boys. Just drop the puck and we'll exchange, we'll, we'll trade chances with the other team. Like an old Smythe division game. Right? Isn't that fun? Uh, is, Nate, always a pleasure. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll check back regularly throughout the playoffs. Thanks, Jeff. That's Nate Sager of Sportsnet.ca breaking down the opening round of the OHL's playoffs. CHL playoffs, always the best time of the year. I want to thank Jonathan Briggins from Sportsnet.ca for breaking down the queue. Joey Kenward did the same from a Western Hockey League perspective. And as we do each and every week here on the podcast, lead analyst for the CHL on Sportsnet, always a big thank you to Sam Cosentino. On behalf of our producer, Sam McKee, Jeff Merrick signing off. Thanks for tuning into our playoff preview. Let the action begin. Enjoy the hockey, folks. Junior returns next week right here either at sportsnet.ca or at iTunes. Enjoy the action. You've been listening to Junior, the podcast for CHL fans. Find us at sportsnet.ca. Even better, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And only some will know. Where the ragged people go